Hi, I'm Justine, and I'm here to tell you being mentally ill isn't the end of the world. I know what it's like to live with a mental illness. It's hard. You're constantly trying to hide your struggles from others, and you feel like you're weaker than others because of your illness. But that's not true. So many badasses struggle with mental illnesses, but they don't talk about them because they're afraid of being judged or thought of as weak-minded. Well, guess what? They're not. We can change that by talking openly about our struggles and sharing our stories with each other in a positive light. This is why I created Mentally a Badass, so we can come together as badasses who are also mentally ill or who has had it rough in life and share our stories with one another in a safe place that celebrates our strengths rather than shames our weaknesses. I hope this podcast helps you feel less alone in this crazy life of ours, and I hope it makes your life just a little bit better. back to Mentally a Badass. My name is Justine and today we are chatting with Allison from the podcast Wishing You Wellness. So we found each other on Instagram, which love Instagram. I love social media. You guys know that connecting people like-minded. Cheers to the algorithm when it's nice to us. Um, So I wanted to, I actually reached out to her because I wanted to interview her because I found her very fascinating and pretty much a twin of mine um you guys know i am really big on like the universe angel numbers manifestation spirituality and mentally a badass we do or we are starting to lean more towards that and connecting that because i really do believe that you know those the angels are like we have a guardian angels watching us and we have like personal development and growth it truly helps with our mental health so we're taking that approach so when I saw her, I don't know if she found me, if I found her, I have no idea how she got in front of my eyes. But <laughs> I saw that and I was like, wow, we're literally the same person. Why do I, why should I, why would I not have her on my podcast? So reached out to her and she was like, yeah, you look pretty cool. Um, At least I think that she thought that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the podcast, Allison. I hope I uh, amused you. I have a very uh, interesting personality. I'm very um, <laughs> I, oh my gosh, first of all, Justine, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for letting me into your space and for letting me connect with your listeners. I am so excited for today. And second of all, yeah, twin vibes. So when I saw you, I can't remember who saw who first, but we definitely mutually followed around the same time. Yeah. And I stalked you a little and I was like, oh my gosh, this feels so in alignment with what I'm trying to do, which is destigmatize mental illness, bring more light to the subject and just take away all of the seriousness surrounding it. Like there are so many podcasts that are like very, very serious and very, very deep and mental health related. And I was like, where's the space where people can talk about mental health, but in like a lighter, more relatable, approachable way. And then I saw you and I was like, she's doing the same thing. It's true. And I want my podcast to be as raw as possible. Um, Also, of course, respect if you don't want to talk about certain things, but essentially like the name mentally a badass, I mean, it has the word badass on it. So you can tell right then and there, it's going to be raw, it's going to be vulnerable. And that's what it needs to be. And I completely agree from what you're saying. Like I listen to these podcasts or just look up like YouTube videos or whatever. And it's very valuable what they are providing, you know, such as, you know, tools that you can use to help better your mental health. But I feel like it's kind of sugarcoated. And that's why I, I create immensely about it. It's because I don't want the sugarcoating. I want people to be real on here. I want people to talk about their experiences, because that is what is going to 
you know, normalize the conversation. Mm. And that's why I want to bring people on here who are willing to talk to, you know, talk about their story. So in this episode, I want to, you know, kind of like dig deep into, of course, your background and get to know you, see how you've, you know, move forward from where, what you've been through and then what you are doing today to help break that stigma. Um, mm. So let's chat about your background. So um, like how, how, I don't know how old are you, how old are you? <laughs> I'm a 25. I turned 25 in December of this year on a cruise. So very, on a very cruise. good, very okay. good place to have a quarter life crisis. Like if you're going to do it, <laughs> I've been do there. it with a nice view. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I'm 27. So I'm like two years older than you. So essentially, we are in the same generation, which is uh, pretty awesome. Um, Did you ever like think of okay, there's like these memes and jokes on here where people um are saying, you know, like I'm depressed, but I'd rather be depressed on Space Mountain. Like at Disney, it's like <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> so when you said that, you're like, oh, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be like having a mental breakdown or quarter life crisis, I might as well do with the view. Like, <laughs> go ahead and put me on a beach for that shit. Yeah, hey, that's why I moved to Florida. At least I can be depressed and I'm under a palm tree. That's <laughs> the one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so where did you grow up? So I grew up in a tiny town called Carlisle, Illinois. It's super teeny. I never get to talk about it because when people ask me to tell my story, they're usually like, okay, what inspired wishing you wellness? What inspired your coaching business? No one's ever actually had me start from the very beginning. So this is exciting I I feel like it starts because I'm a big believer that your story starts from the beginning. We are going to talk about what you're doing now because that's very important. But I really want to learn your past to understand how you are today. Oh, this is powerful. I wish more people would ask me where I was (laughs) from. I'm like, that just like unlocked a little part of me. I didn't know existed. I'm like, I want to share this, but (laughs) I grew up in a small town, Carlisle, Illinois. It's like an hour from St. Louis, Missouri, um, ended up moving to Missouri for college, spent some time in Spain, studying abroad, study abroad in a few places. And then wanted to go to New York for a little. So I did that. And then I came back and then I went to Death Valley National Park just this last year and did four months in the desert, which was oh. amazing and intense and beautiful and horrific and all of the things. It was like the whole scale of emotions. And then I moved back in April to St. Louis, Missouri. And that's where I'm currently posted up until my next move. The goal is to live by a beach really soon, but I am like madly in love with my job and my staff here. So We'll see. We'll see. Which I want to talk about later, by the way. I have a lot of questions about that. Yeah. I can say if you want to move to a beach, come to Florida. Florida. (laughs) That's what I hear. But like, isn't isn't it so humid down there during the summer? In the summer, yeah. But I believe in air conditioning. Well, it's like, it's pretty. So what I've learned is that it's just rough during the hours of like 12 to 3, 12 to 4, whatever you want to like. Yeah. So that's when it's really rough, but at night it's pretty nice. And yeah, it's humid in the summer, but we have central air and, um, I don't know. I just, I'm very happy here in Florida. And then especially for someone who struggles with depression and mental illness, it's nice to have the sun. (laughs) So when I grew up in New Jersey, it's a lot of gloom and just like, you know, seasonal depression. So imagine like having 
seasonal depression on top of whatever you already have. It's just, it's just hard. That's the one. Yeah. I'm doing light therapy right now. You like sit in front of this light for 30 Mm -hmm. minutes a day and it's supposed to be really, really good for depression. And so far I'm feeling myself like get a little more cheerful, but I'm not positive if it's real or the placebo effect. One of my clients Mm. the other day was like, do you think this is the placebo effect? And I was like, you know what? If it is, I'm going to fucking run with it. Yeah. If it's working, it's working. Sure. If it's, if it's just making me think it's working, it's, it's fine. I'll take but, it. Yeah. But I mean, the sun, it's just because another thing too, is that humans are not meant to be spending so much time indoors. Like it's not natural of us. So that just makes it worse. And when I was staying in Washington with my boyfriend, he like, he lives in a house with roommates, but like he rents the basement. So obviously I'm staying with him and I work for myself. So I'm working out of a basement. So just like thinking about like being underground for so I'm like, no, I need to go upstairs. I need light because of my, my challenge, you know, my challenges and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, the reason I asked where you're from is just because, you know, your environment has a lot to do with everything. So I was curious to see like where your upbringing was. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. you've experienced it. And since you've been all over the place, you understand that when you meet people from different states or countries, they have a completely different way of upbringing and a different way of life. So that's why I like to know where all my podcast guests are from. Because I think that's just really important. Um, You probably told me where you are right now, but can you remind me? Because, you know, my memory. Yes. So currently I'm in St. Louis. It's a small city in Missouri. It's really the only thing in Missouri. Like you have Kansas City on the west side, and then you have Mm -hmm. St. Louis on the east side. And then in between, it's just like farms and just like small towns and not really much. And so I'm kind of like right between like Chicago and then Austin. Well, I guess it way more towards Chicago, actually. I don't know. Mm-hmm. A big city between here and there, I can't think of one. But like if I were to drive somewhere and be considered the big city, it would be four hours to Chicago. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a bit of a hike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, ha- I got like a D in geography. So I was like, uh. You're like, where is that? It's right in the middle of the US, dude. I always like, open not- up Google Maps and um, I depend on that. <laughs> yeah, a huge part of why I've lived on both coasts and why I've lived in so many places is my home base is like right here in the middle of the US, which I love it. But it's like you said, there's so much to learn. And each person that we meet from a different place has so much to teach us. And so I'm huge on get out of your comfort zone, go and travel, go see the world, especially while you're young and have like no responsibilities. Yeah, no, a hundred percent um relate to that. I'm all about like I I've been I haven't been to the country since I was a kid, but so far in twenty twenty two I traveled to Washington three times. I went to North Carolina for a week, I went to Vegas two times, I went to uh New Jersey for a month. Like I was just kind of like all over. Um actually all of them were were not really like um uh what is that called like leisure trips it was more like my boyfriend lives in Washington I was there like three times then hometowns in New Jersey and then Vegas Vegas was leisure okay anyway I was gonna say Vegas is leisure girl. yeah I do I do have a friend though I do have a friend there though so it was it was so I did go there for leisure it wasn't like but North Carolina she the girl who lives in Vegas got married in North Carolina because that's where she's originally from so um, her wedding was like back to back from like my leisure trip. So I had to like buy a one way there and a one way to like North Carolina and I'm like, might as well. I like, just go from here to here, you know? 
Uh, it was a lot. Yeah, it was. But I'm glad I was able to do it just because I don't like have to take off from work. Um, I mean, I still like I- I'm able to make my own schedule, obviously. So, <laughs> um, OK, so moving forward. Um, so you are diagnosed with bipolar one and BPD, right? Correct. When were, when were you diagnosed? So I got my very first diagnosis um, when I was in middle school. It wasn't even a diagnosis. I just went to the school therapist and like explained everything. And she was like, this is kind of presenting like bipolar. I would talk to a psychiatrist and I was too young at the time to like really understand the weight of it all. I just knew something was wrong. I knew that I would have these huge bursts of creative energy where mm-hmm. I was like doing musical theater and I was doing cheerleading. And I was doing dancing. And oh I was, my God, I we're did the same thing. thing. We're the same. Called it, called it girl. And I was like writing these stories and I was just like <laughs> expressing myself in 150 ways. And I was like, I know that when I feel good, I feel good. And that when I feel bad, it feels like the end of the world. I was like, let's yes let's push this aside for now and so I did I pushed it aside and then at some point in college things got really really bad and I went in and at first I was told I just had BPD Mm -hmm. and then a couple months later I came back and I had hallucinated and heard voices and like went through a whole thing and finally I had someone listen to me and sit with me and do a full evaluation and they were like okay it's bipolar one and BPD and mm-hmm. OCD. And I was like, well, great. It's the whole alphabet. And just give me like, <laughs> can I buy a vowel? <laughs> like, and I really didn't understand at the time, like the weight of what was being said to me. And I kind of just like pushed it off again and like let it fly. And then things really, really hit the fan when I was living in Death Valley, California. And I was like, okay, I need to stop running around and moving to new places every time I'm manic. And mm-hmm. I- I need to sit still, do some healing, do some work on myself. And then once I feel good again and stable, I can go out into the world and do whatever I want. But for Mm -hmm. right now, I have to hit pause and I have to put my mental health first for the first time ever. And that's when I started my podcast, Wishing You Wellness. And that's when I really dove deep into just a committed life of learning and understanding my diagnoses and like learning how to help myself so I can help other people. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That when you said the cheerleading and musical theater, I'm like, yeah. I did the exact same thing. And yeah, wow. I want to I was like, oh my God, we're living the same life, literally. So nice. what trauma? Cause because BPD, because so bipolar is essentially usually genetic. So you probably would have somewhere in your family. Well, but it usually it would have to be like triggered. And then BPD mm-hmm. is usually like a learned disorder. So what trauma do you believe contributed to that? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but it all started being a young kid. And I really grew up in a good family. Like I was very lucky, but I had a dad who didn't really know how to show affection at all. And the older I got, the mm-hmm. worse it became. He had no idea how to like hug me or ask me how my day was and like, there was just a growing disconnect. And I felt myself as a 13 year old girl being so desperate for his love and affection that as soon as I turned 15, I got a boyfriend who was 21 and we dated for two years. And I think back and I'm like, whoa, those numbers are kind of gross and weird. But Mm -hmm. at the time it seemed so normal because I had basically found someone to replace my dad. And so 
basically at that point, I learned if I can't have my dad's affection, maybe I can have the affection of these men that I'm dating. And so that kind of set me up for failure in that relationship because I was already trying to fill this hole. I was already just like really in a desperate place. And so my boyfriend basically lived with me and stayed the night all the time. I became super codependent. And then that relationship ended and I was devastated. And I remember not being devastated, like sad and crying for a week. I remember being like, I'm going to end my life. I'm going to kill myself. And I told my parents that over and over again. And they were like, what are you doing? Is this for attention? Like, what is this? And I was like, I'm telling you, I don't know what it is, but it feels like somebody has lit me on fire and I'm burning to death. I am dying. Please help me. And that's when my parents were finally like, oh shit, she's serious. Something is not right here. And that's about when I started doing my research on what was going on. And essentially what it was is like people with borderline personality disorder, my therapist puts it so well. It's like, they're the equivalent of having no emotional skin. And so you think of skin and the dermaplane, it keeps things out and it keeps things from getting in. We don't have that. When we have BPD, there is like no emotional skin at all. So anything feels so raw and so deep. And so a breakup for somebody with BPD can feel similar to like death or someone dying. It feels so final. Like grief, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It develops as like a a trauma response. I think that you had said trauma response and that's the perfect way to put it. I think we live the same life. After after this, I'll be a... um, my ticket to Missouri. I'm just <laughs> Let me come to you, girl. There's way more to do. I, all right. Oh my goodness. When you were saying that, like, I don't want to obviously make this about me because it's about you, but I had the same experience with a guy, except like, I, I mean, he didn't like live with me or anything like that, but I dated, oh my goodness, this is going to get me emotional. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> I had a boyfriend at the age of 15. We broke up at like, we, we did it for a year. So like we broke up like 16 or whatever. He wasn't older than me. He was like a year younger than me. But when we broke up, it felt like the end of the world for me. And it let me tell you, it took me, and I hate saying this, it took me like four to five years to like fully, fully get over him. Like fully. Absolutely. And I remember how depressed I was. And then I actually got physically sick because like, I guess like your body like shuts down. And I remember when, so basically this was before I got diagnosed with like bipolar and like the BPD. I remember my psychiatrist definitely put bipolar, but I think I remember him saying maybe BPD. Mm -hmm. I was 17. And um, so basically my biggest, well, my, my parents, cause I used to like self-harm. So my parents, basically the way have my mom, like found like blood on tissue, like in, you know, the bathroom, whatever. And, uh, wow. so I like kind of, I flipped, I not flipped. I like had my biggest, um, episode when the guy that we, that I, you know, we broke up or whatever, started dating somebody else. And I found out mm-hmm. that was the that's felt like the end of the world and I felt like dying like yeah and it's it's not fake that's what people need to understand about BPD and bipolar and all of these things it people are not overreacting or being dramatic like these are real human emotions and they are out of control like when you are not out in front of your mental diagnosis and your mental illness usually it's pulling you behind it with a fucking chain and you're being like drugged by your feet on hot asphalt like that's how it feels yeah no I remember and then like I was feeling 
you know, the reason I was like, you know, the self-harming because you're feeling so much, you rather have like physical pain than like emotional pain. That's how much pain I was in. And then, so, you know, I, when I, I found that out, then I was like, you know, doing that. And then my parents found out and then they were like, um, why? Well, they didn't say it like that. They weren't rude about it, but sure. my, my mom wasn't shocked, but my dad was, um, because my dad just didn't really understand mental health. And it's not like he's a good guy, but it's just like, it was kind of like your dad. He didn't know how to express his emotions mm-hmm. and yeah so it's kind of like I kind of had that too but my dad would like when he would be affectionate it would be just like he would be too much like yeah. it would it wouldn't like he wouldn't just like it wouldn't like be him doing like oh like neglecting me like he would just kind of like oh like hug me and being like kind of like and I'll just kind of like push away and be like annoyed by him and I still I kind of like let me ask you this do you what's your love language my love language, it's so funny. When it comes to giving, I'm gifts all the way. I show my love with plane tickets and bags and shoes. Like I love to buy things for people. But when it comes to receiving, I'm huge on words of affirmation. Me too. And I'm, and I'm huge on physical touch. And so growing up with a father who loved me maybe, but never said that to me and never like showed me that and never showed up to my musical. I like he would come sometimes, but a lot of times he was not coming and a lot of times he thought my interests were weird. That felt so horrible to me because like my love language is words of affirmation. So I wanted to hear him say, Allison, I love you. I wanted to hear him say, Allison, I'm proud of you. And I wanted it so bad, but I didn't have the intellectual capacity yet to just be like, Hey dad, I need affection. So instead I was like, how do I get affection? I act out. And then that eventually did turn into self-harm too. I have a short history with self-harm because I was just like, what is it going to take? I remember one time being in my room and this was like a big moment in me kind of uncovering my BPD. And I was sitting there and I was like, I wish I would break my arm because if I broke my arm, I wouldn't have to go to school and I wouldn't have to overachieve for once in my life. And my dad would take care of me. And my dad would like sit by my bedside. My dad would watch movies with me. And Mm -hmm. then I realized in that moment, I was like, okay, normal people don't wish that their arm would break. Okay. Like (laughs) this is an okay thing. This is valid. I actually had those thoughts too. (laughs) I feel so validated when I share that and people resonate because like you say that in some rooms and people are like, what are you talking about? But people who are mentally ill and people who get it are like, that's not that far fetched. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, and it's also just like other thoughts that we just like have like go through our head. Have you heard of this singer called girl in red? I haven't. Yeah, I definitely listen to her. Like her song Serotonin, just like the lyrics. And it's like, she has like, she was like, oh, I have intrusive dots, like, like cutting off my arm or something like that. And it's like, I sometimes have these kind of like thoughts that are just like disturbing. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? And I get like nervous. I'm like, should I lock myself up now? Like, right. When I heard that song, I was like, okay, I'm just low on serotonin, I guess. (laughs) Whatever. I literally tell my clients that's the way to do it. You know, like stand up to those intrusive thoughts, kind of like look at them and put separation in between you and the intrusive thoughts. Be like, okay, that was an intrusive thought. That was kind of a wild thought, but I'm not claiming it. That's not mine. I'm going to let it float through my head because so much of our intrusive thoughts are triggered by what we see in the media, what we see on the news. Like 
I have so many like random intrusive thoughts about plane crashes because I have a phobia with flying. I fly all the time, but I absolutely hate it. Oh, me too. And the only reason my brain knows what a plane crash looks like is because I've watched it over and over and over again on movies, like on TV. I've read it in books and I have just like put it in my brain so many times that now my brain will randomly be like, oh, plane crashing into water. That's gonna be you. <laughs> Final destination. Yeah, I feel like they're having a new one coming out too, like for the for like a oh. cruise. No, that's gonna be. So, I just went on a cruise. I'm so glad that I already went on one because I would not again after watching the Final Destination cruise. Or version. at least give it at least give it some time, you know. Right. But oh my goodness, yeah. Um. So let's talk about. So you have a job. Um. Is it full time? It's okay. So it's part-time, but I'm working like 34 hours a week. So it may as well be (laughs) full-time. Yeah, I get that. So it's a crisis intervention specialist. Is that kind of like, um, kind of like the suicide hotline or is it something else or correct yeah so i am a crisis intervention specialist at 988 lifeline suicide hotline i work for the 988 uh-huh yeah you call 988 you get me basically (laughs) you get me or one of my amazing coworkers. but yeah i've been a crisis worker for eight months now almost nine um it has turned out it went from just being a job to kind of like make ends meet until I found my next job mm-hmm. to being like one of my purposes and one mm-hmm. of the reasons I think I'm on this earth um I took to it really quick I was a natural and people were like wow you were just very good at like staying calm in these situations and I'm like well I have been the caller more times than not and so I understand what it's like to be in crisis I know what it's like to be panicking and you don't need another person panicking you need somebody who's completely level-headed and ready to just like stabilize you and that's what I do I help people go from crisis mode to survival mode basically I get people stable and feeling a little bit better and then I find them resources so they can continue that journey and get out of survival mode and get back to feeling good that's that's awesome. So the reason I wanted to bring that up, because I feel like if I were to, for, for me with what I struggle with, you know, the bipolar and the BPD and my emotions, and I'm also very empathetic. Um, I feel like I always didn't think I would be a good fit for that because I feel like I'll be crying with them, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so and you do sometimes. Yeah. So do, do, you, do you cry with them? Oh, totally. So I, I'm mostly good at keeping it together, at least while I have them on the phone. But the other day I had a young boy who was like 14 years old Mm -hmm. and he was just like telling me some really heavy stuff. And I started to tear up and I was like, I'm literally with you. I'm right here with you. I'm not going to get off this phone. I don't care if it takes three hours. Like I'm not going anywhere. And just like, it brought tears to my eyes hearing his story because we had a lot of similar trauma and those are the calls that really get me like the addiction callers, people who are going through withdrawal that gets to me because I went through addiction recovery. And I remember that desperate, make this stop feeling that people feel when they're going through any kind of withdrawal. And, you know, when people call in a super manic episode with their bipolar, it's so hard not to like personalize it and be like, Oh Mm -hmm. God, I remember when I, but instead it's like, when I get to the door of the crisis room, I check my whole former self at the door. I have like, I have an alias, like a mm-hmm. different name that I go by. We all mm-hmm. do to protect our identity. And yeah. when I step in the door, like I become and embody my alias. Like I step into a new mindset where I'm just like, 
my goal here is to help people. All right. of my shit is at the door, which is an amazing, amazing feeling because I've worked a lot of jobs where you just stand around all day and like you get, you can't help but think about your own shit that's going on. But at this job, I can truly check my own bullshit at the door and focus mm-hmm. on helping other people. And so I definitely do empathize and I get emotional sometimes, but I've gotten really good at being like, okay, what does this person need right now? They need a steady voice. Keep your voice steady. They need someone to make decisions because they can't right now make decisions. They need someone to give, you know, the first step, give that first step. Yeah. That's, that's good that you're able to like switch. Like once you go through that door, I feel like I, well, I never worked doing what you did, but I did. So I did work for Disney and I worked in a call center and um, I worked for like shop Disney for a couple of months because they, uh, so I worked for Walt Disney world. That was my main. And then they had me like help out shop Disney because during the time with the pandemic, all the stores were closed, their phone lines were out of intent. So they basically like asked for help. And I actually had a couple, like one person call and I was on the phone with them for literally four hours. And they were a cancer patient and pretty much they just wanted to just talk. I don't even think they were like calling about any order. I really think it was just like they were lonely and something and then they were like on a hospital bed or whatever. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I feel like I felt like I did handle it really well. Um, But I think. But it was also, I mean, I couldn't obviously, I couldn't relate to them because I don't have cancer and I've never been in their position, but I'm, you know, very easy to talk to. And I think they kept on that phone with me because they really like that. And I actually got that same person twice in like the seven months that I was helping out with their phone lines. And it's kind of crazy how that happened because there's so many other, like so many people taking calls. So the fact that it like, it came to me again, that's interesting. I really hope she's that person who I was on the phone with I hope she's like still doing good I don't know doing good I don't know I mean apparently she told me she was dying I I know how dark that just sounded but like I don't know I have no idea that you were able to provide support in that moment and I think it's so special that you took those four hours because a lot of people would be like okay I make minimum wage or like a little bit above it screw this I'm gonna hang up this isn't what I'm here for and you were like no I get it like I want to sit here in these feelings with you and help you just like be a listening ear because that's really all it is. And I tell yeah. people, like, I can't put an exact number on it, but I would say 90% of my calls at the hotline are non-crisis or they're at least low or moderate risk. And so mm-hmm. people are lonely, they're sad, they're depressed. They just mm-hmm. want someone to talk to. They're dealing with trauma. They're coping through panic attacks. Mm-hmm. And then 10% are the actually like actively suicidal or about to become suicidal kind of hotline calls that we get. Um. And a lot of the like less higher risk calls we're supposed to refer to warm lines where they can kind of talk back and forth and stuff. But I, if, unless I have another call in the lineup, I will sit and talk with somebody because I just believe that each person matters. And mm-hmm. if we start treating people like numbers and we're like, okay, you need to go to a warm line. You're not suicidal enough to be calling us. I don't You're believe not in suicidal that. enough. <laughs> right. I'm like, no, no, no. It's horrible. If someone, if someone is dysregulated enough that they're calling right. a suicide hotline, something is going on. And people won't always tell you right away. Like I'll have calls all the time where I'm like, are you thinking about hurting yourself today or ending your life? No, they say, no, no, no. And then by the end, they're like, I just can't do this anymore. And I'm like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. What'd you just say? They're like, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be alive anymore. And I'm like, ah, so you want to die? Like, I guess. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, sometimes, I yeah. 
sometimes you got to peel back the layers. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think another thing too, is that I feel like people are probably scared. Like if you were to answer, ask those questions right in the beginning, Hey, are you suicidal? People are going to say no, mostly because they're going to fear that if you say yes, then they're, you're going to be calling up like someone to come and take them into a mental hospital. Literally. I have to tell people all the time that, so there's these rumors that go around TikTok that if you call 988, we immediately dispatch like 911. And it's literally not true. I never I heard, I never saw that. That's crazy. Yeah. I saw a few of the videos and I was like, this is wild. It's like, don't call 988. They'll send the ambulance to your house and then you have to pay the bill. And I'm like, okay, what? we literally, that is like the last resort. Like I will do yeah. everything in my power to keep you out of an ambulance. Unless you tell me, Allison, I'm going to kill myself and I yeah. will not put the gun down and I will, or I already took the pills. Like, unless you're going to do it, I'm not going to send them because I know that the last thing you need, if you're suicidal and dealing with some shit is some crazy bill you can't afford. Yeah. And so if there's any way to keep you out of the wee woo wagon, I'm going to do it. Like, and I, I'm not every crisis worker. I'm sure other crisis workers have a more like better safe than sorry approach than I do. But if someone's yeah. willing to plan with me, I will safety plan with them as long as that takes and get them in that place. There are some situations where someone has already done something or, yeah. you know, they're all alone. No one's coming. Anything like that. We kind of have to initiate what we call a wellness check. And that's when PD comes. But there's another option nowadays. It's People are universally attracted to cute things, plus your everyday anxiety will be magically calm once you start to color. Coloring is proven to be an effective way to de-stress and relieve anxiety by activating the parasympathic nervous system. This is why I created the Mentally a Badass Coloring Book. It is a self-affirmation color book with inspirational affirmations to help you feel better about yourself and give you the confidence you need in life. Order Mentally a Badass Coloring Book today on Amazon. The link will be in the podcast description. Really cool. It's called a mobile crisis unit. And they're way, way more affordable than the ER. And someone actually comes to you like a certified social worker or something like that. And they talk with you and they assess you and see where you're at. And then they go over some options with you. And it's a lot less invasive and less scary of a method. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I feel like. Yeah, I think I heard of that actually. Mm-hmm. that they're starting to, crisis units yeah because it's i don't think like if like police officers should be coming during a mental health crisis because they're not trained properly and Correct. yeah and it's just gonna make the whole situation worse like for like for for police officers they should be coming if you're like in physical danger and then they're there to Ooh. help you and a lot of people have trauma with police officers. Yes, especially and with everything that's been happening the past couple of years. Correct. And the so police. bringing in a police officer to an already very intense situation can sometimes push people yeah. a little bit over the edge. And it's not to say our cops aren't doing a great job. They yeah. are doing a great job. They just weren't trained in social work or like- Or know how to handle the situation. Social- yeah, exactly. And also you don't know if they use like, they just don't- know how to properly handle the situation so when when that was originally happening before they decided to do what they're doing now I'm like I think about it and I'm like I was going through a situation where like I, I I'm having a crisis like I don't want to be hearing cop cars and like having a cop come in like when people think of police a lot of them also think of like oh my god I'm going to jail you know what I mean yeah. like yeah. it's just it's really hard to think of police officers as like when you when they come to you to think good because of just how first of all things that 
there's not there's some police officers that are pretty bad and they abuse their power and don't have patience for people who have mental or don't understand it so that's really scary so it's just like you don't know who you're gonna get and that's correct you could get like an incredible well a, a nice human like, being yeah. or you can get like one of those people who abuse their power correct that's so sad this is like scary to just, just even think about it mm-hmm. wow so when was like your like awakening of like okay I want to help others yeah it was absolutely out in Death Valley California like I remember being in the National Park and uh uh-huh we were just like in this tiny little dorm owned basically nothing like we were living off of nothing and I was just my goal going out there was to get away from all the bullshit to cut out everything extra and to be alone with nature and just with my thoughts and so while I was out there I was getting sober from pills and it was the hardest thing I've ever done. I left Missouri only a few weeks clean. Like I had just had a relapse. I had been like six months clean before that, but then I relapsed, went out there and like went through all the withdrawals and everything was going through absolute hell. And I just remember like being on my bathroom floor being like, Oh my God, when, when does this like reveal its purpose like I know all of this is happening to me for a reason but when Mm -hmm. the hell am I gonna know what the reason is Mm -hmm. and one day I was just like scrolling through podcasts and I saw this podcast called Breaking Butterfly and I was like cool so I started listening and it was personal development and it was spirituality and I was like whoa I love this and so I started following Maddie who is now one of my life coaches one of my good friends on Instagram and I was like oh my gosh wait you can just have a podcast like you could just make a podcast and get your message out there. I was like, I have to do this. And so Mm -hmm. I immediately made an Instagram for wishing you wellness. I launched the podcast on like January 17th and it really was just supposed to be a sounding board. Like I just made it so I could get my feelings out, get my emotions out in a healthy way. Like I wanted to write a book, but I didn't have the patience to sit and type. So this felt like a good close second. And so that's kind of when that journey started. It's kind of crazy how it happened in January. I feel like January is like a huge month where people kind of have like their awakenings. I um, was approached recently for like a, a person uh, for a client who's now my client and she's a TikToker and she sells crystals. That's her business. And <laughs> love it. We were on a Zoom call. I like to always have like a quick Zoom call to get to know each other and do good with working with together. And she was telling me that she's ready to like quit her job. And because her business was doing really well, it got good traction on TikTok. And she felt like it was ready for her to like put in her two weeks. And she did literally put in her two weeks on the 19th, which was two days ago. And I put in my two weeks at Disney January 20th, a year ago. Wow. And Three I, days. I was like, what are the odds of that? She was planning on doing it the January 20th to put in her two weeks, but I think she just did it like right away because she was just ready to just do it. I kind of wanted her to about do January. it. Yeah. And like, I've also had people message, like a couple of people message me on my uh, personal Instagram and like ask me like how I became a social media manager and how I did a do full time. And I think a lot of people are just like ready to make changes in their life. And I guess they're like uh, attracted to me in that way. And uh, I've been getting a lot. I I don't know if it's just because, you know, January is always like their resolution month or people just feel like, okay, they're ready to 
have a new purpose. I have a, have a, a go for their purpose. And I've been, like I said, I've just been this, also this girl I uh, went to high school with, actually not just high school, middle school. She reached out to me on Facebook and she was basically saying, I've been listening to your podcast and it helps her and she relates and she really wants to make changes in her life when it comes to like the financial part, because she doesn't want to be like working like a nine to five the rest of her life. She wants to have freedom. And, and I haven't spoken to her since like high school, possibly. I'm sure we've had a comment here and there on Facebook, but um, she reached out because she just wanted to chat with me. And of course I loved, you know, talking about my experience and helping as much as I can and be very transparent. And when the new year rolled, and actually actually was New Year's Eve, she reached out to me, the 31st. And it's just like, I've gotten so many people like reaching out to me. And I'm like, I think everyone's, I think like the universe is like touching a new flow of people, you know? Like, do you think like people are getting like they're awakening, like, like they just like once a year, like the universe just touches like a group of people. I I was just going to say that dude, like the collective, we are all waking up kind of at the same time. And it's funny because like when I found that podcast that inspired me to start mine and start sharing my message, I also found a whole community of people who were just like sharing their story and getting their voice out. And all of these people were very spiritual and very just like aware of themselves. And I was like, this is amazing. And that's what kind of inspired me to make my podcast the place where mental health and spirituality hang out because the two, whether we realize it or not, go so hand in hand, it's unreal. It does. And honestly, when I saw that, because I was thinking of a way, because my brand's like that too. So I was like trying to think of like, a way to explain it um and then I was like oh that's exactly how I explain it note to self don't put that because I don't want to steal your saying but like <laughs> that's like exactly what I was thinking and so yeah. that's like I also change just- two words and you're good <laughs> <laughs> don't worry I think I'm just gonna stick to the badass like niche like, like I part. love uh, love love yeah. love mentally a badass that is like when I saw you in my dms and I saw your name I was like okay first of all obsessed with this like because you it, like it's almost a perfect play on words because mm-hmm. like usually you hear mentally unwell or mentally unstable and you're like okay mentally a fucking badass yeah I'm trying to get a trademark right now I'm still waiting to, it, <laughs> to get approved yeah I was like I got a, I was trademark I put in for a trademark like a year ago and it's taking like forever oh my god <laughs> felt it's resonating I mean I was told this is it's a lengthy process but as long as I have the application in no one can take it because the way it works Definitely. is like if someone try to like let's I mean I know you wouldn't do something like that but if someone took mentally about us and try to train a market they wouldn't win because I'm already ahead of the game yeah um, you got your shit yeah your ducks so are in a row that's why people are like you because honestly I wasn't even thinking about trademarking it but since I got a I have a coloring book under the name and now a journal, they were like, just you need to like trademark this because anyone could just like copyright that, that name and don't lose that name. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And, and I've, and I Googled and everything. And I'm like, it's mentally a badass use anywhere else. And it's not, I mean, there's like, you're a badass, uh, mentally unwell, like we were saying, or a mental badass or like, you know, stuff like that, but it was never mentally a badass. And Love. I was like, no freaking way that I'm going to grab this. And no. before the they put the app, the attorney put the application and they do a more of a deeper search and mm-hmm. came back. It's like, no, we're going to use it. So let's go ahead and do it. I was like, all right. So sign um, me up, babe. Yeah. So I hope it does. I really hope it gets through. Um, I was just like nervous about the word badass, but like, I mean, I, I hopefully it's fine. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but um, 
let's now start digging into like your current life right now. So for me personally, with bipolar, I struggle with like my mornings a lot. Mornings are hard for me. Today, I got to bed at 1045. It's bad. I really want to be one of those people who get up early and be one of those people. It's just, it's really hard. So do you relate to that? Like, like what's your take on that? Yeah. So for me, I would say the ways that my bipolar shows up is more just like in, what is it? Intrapersonal, whatever the one is where it's just for me. So Mm -hmm. my bipolar, you wouldn't know about from the Mm -hmm. outside looking in, but my BPD shows up in my relationships. Mm -hmm. And so it is hard for me to like have long-term stable relationships because of the way that my brain works and because of the way that I just kind of waffle back and forth between like, I love them. Wait, I don't love them. I love them. And so I've had to really just like start addressing and working really hard in therapy on those parts of me and just like really understanding all I can about BPD so that I can show up better for other people because mm-hmm. my bipolar is medicated and it's mm-hmm. mostly in check. I still deal with like shitty days. There's no way around. Yeah. That. Everybody definitely, yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't love mania, but I would say that BPD definitely affects my life more. And mm-hmm. it's because like it affects my relationships with others. Like one of the big things in BPD is it's common to interpret neutrality as a bad thing. So if somebody just gives me a neutral response. I'm like, Hey, how's your day? They're like, fine. You I'm like, Oh, are they not me? What did <laughs> me I do? Too. Oh my you God. This shows up in my business relationships too, which is really hard. I'm trying to work so hard on not allowing that in my business relationship. So if like, I'm like chatting with a client and they respond like that. Um, or if they just respond, just like with no emojis or anything like that, I'm like, Oh my God, am I not doing anything right? Am they gonna, are they going to drop me? Am I going to like, yeah. I get scared because like, if they drop me, then that sucks for me financially. I lose part of my income. Yeah. Part. I mean, I should be having like long-term contracts, but then that's where my confidence doesn't really come. Yeah. But um, that that's a whole nother story. But it, it's <laughs> showing. I feel like my BPD is like showing more now in my business relationships. Absolutely. No one has talked about um yeah yet. I mean I maybe I can like actually I don't know if I really want to like put a whole episode just in case a client listens to it, but yeah. um. But I've noticed that it like shows up in those relationships. And I'm just like, I mean, thankfully, majority of my conversations are through like text message. So I can kind of like think and mm-hmm. then respond versus like, you know, respond. Absolutely. Uh, That's the advice that I was literally going to give anyone who's listening and is like, I resonate. I really struggle with controlling my reactions to things. I can react with emotion go to text messaging. Like if that's what you need to do for your main contact, like do that, like it gives you a second to like step back, breathe and think before you answer. And I've had to start doing that with my in-person relationships too, because obviously everything can't be confined to texting and I don't want it to all be confined to texting. I want real life in-person relationships. But I also have to learn that like when I start feeling a type of way, I have to start looking at the facts and investigating what is actually true versus the stories that my brain is telling me to stir the pot. Exactly. I'm literally the same way too. When that happens and I have a client that will be like with no emoji or something like that, I think, okay, let me look at the analytics. I'm doing good. We're good. We're seeing things in the green. We're doing oh, that. Yes. We're um, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. It's just, yeah. I do like mix the way conversations are with my clients. I mean, majority of it's through text message, but like, you know, a lot of it's 
once we do like once a, a month like meetings and stuff like that on zoom but anyway that that's irrelevant um so <laughs> uh, so what like what do you like what are your habits that you do or like what can you like what do you implement into your daily routine that helps you cope yeah so a big thing for people living with bipolar or bpd and fun fact there's a 20 percent overlap so 20 percent of people will end up having both because bpd can develop from the trauma of untreated bipolar anyway habits um mm-hmm. i would say like routine is so important for people who are living with any kind of mental illness and so i'm very specific I'm currently medicated. So I wake up, I take my meds, I take all my vitamins, I sit in front of my sunlight and do some light therapy, I stretch out, I don't check my phone right at the beginning of the day. Actually, when you check your phone at the beginning of the day, we already have like this shot of like a cortisol spike and like an adrenaline spike in the morning when we wake up. And so when we immediately go to doom scrolling, we are literally priming ourselves to be anxious all day. And so I'm so guilty of that. Yeah. And I used to be I used to be so bad. And it got to the point where like I had started mood tracking and I realized that when I was on my phone was when I was feeling the worst. And so I was like, okay, this is going to have to be something we step back from, take a little space from. And so I'll stretch, I'll go have my protein drink. I'll go out on my patio. I'm very fortunate to have a patio that overlooks the city and I can see this Ferris wheel. And it's just like very picturesque. I love it. And so I'll go do that. And then my before bed routine is I put on one of those weird things on my whole face and it's like an ice thing. And it's like really good for your skin. It, they look like scary, like killer masks, but they're really just like, you put them in the freezer, you take them out and they're ice. Oh, that's really and so cool. it's really, it's really good for your skin. Yeah. I'll do that for like 15 minutes. I'll do my skincare routine. I will stretch again. I'm just always stretching. Like mm-hmm. whether I'm at the airport, the office or my house, I am probably like doing the split somewhere, just trying to get more flexible, get more agile because it feels good. And then I also take a warm shower and then turn it to cold like the sadist I am. Um, People always are (laughs) like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I discovered one day that it worked for my mood swings and it worked for getting me like not out of an episode, but kind of de-escalated from mania. I will never again use anything else because cold showers work so well. And when I was quitting anxiety meds. I don't take any anxiety medication now, but as I was quitting them, I was having panic attacks like every night. And so I found that when I went to the hot water for a while, sat there, then made it warm then slowly made it cold. It gave me like this shot of energy in my body. And I was like, Whoa, I kind of feel amazing. Like at first it hurts and you're like, this sucks. But then after a while you're like, Whoa, I feel great. I just had a deja vu moment. I feel like, I don't know if I talked to somebody or maybe watched a video or something, but they literally told me like the exact same thing about like they'll go in their shower, they'll like switch the temperature. I, it's just crazy. It was, it was like literally a deja vu moment, which is mm-hmm. kind of crazy. But um, you got to send me the link for that mask thing. That's, I'm really interested in that. Girl, gotta- bet it comes with an eye one and a face one and you can either make them warm or cold. So like I always warm up my eye mask and go to sleep with my warm eye mask on and I use the cold one for my skin. Oh, that is so cool. That also sounds like super relaxing. Wow. It is. That's- it feels like a little spa experience. And when you're wearing it, you just feel so fancy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Wow. So you definitely have a good routine. I feel like what I struggle with is keeping a routine. Like I, I'm like guilty of waking up and scrolling. <laughs> it's even worse when like, hey. 
it's even worse when I when my business like I have two phones I have one for my personal one for my business I I, I did that because I wanted to not mix my business on my personal phone so I literally like have two <laughs> you got two phones <laughs> The That's takeout a- reel of this is going to be so good. Oh my God. Yeah. So I got two phones just because like, it just helps me like this phone is fully business to throw it somewhere. I don't want to deal with that. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Having your personal life separate. That's really, yeah, really healthy. Yeah. And I was super lucky. And I think the universe was on my side that Verizon was having a promotion that if you add an extra line, you get a free iPhone. And I was like, yeah. I just got I'll a take free iPhone. I'll take it. Yeah. I just manifested a free iPhone. Um, so you were just saying, you know, waking up in the morning and struggling to not check your phone. I'll tell you what I tell all of my clients. The first thing I tell my clients when it comes to establishing a routine is your phone is like the number one interrupter of routine, right? Yeah. Because your phone's going to take precedent. You're going to get lost down that rabbit hole. And so I physically, <laughs> yes, I physically put a barricade between my phone and I, no matter what. So I will set my phone face down with a glass of water on top of it. And the next morning I'll see that and be like, oh, I have to drink my water before I can check my phone. So ah. I'll drink my water. I'll go into the kitchen. I start making breakfast and then I forget about it. But if you can put anything, like put a book on top of it, put a coloring book on top of it, put your fucking running shoes on top of it, put something on top of it. So your brain the next day doesn't just forget and grab your phone on autopilot, but instead it goes, wait, what's this thing on top of my phone? Why is it on top of my phone? Oh, I'm supposed to be doing something else first. Wait, so what do you do about your alarm? Because like I, I use my phone for an alarm. So like I have to touch my phone to turn off my alarm. Ah, uh, iPad. See, I created a separation uh, with my iPad and my iPad isn't a temptation for me because there's no social media on it. So I'll turn off the alarm uh, and the only fine. thing else to do is business and work. So if I want to uh, get started on that, I could, but I try to do the no screens in the morning thing. And I'm trying to get better about no screens before bed. But I, full disclosure, you guys, I fucking love TV. I love TV. <laughs> I love binge watching old episodes of Sex in the City. I love <laughs> trashy reality TV. I love it. And I had um, one of my mentors, Anita, tell me one time in a podcast interview, she was like, it's okay to love watching TV. Like you can watch TV and be successful because I was just yeah. going on and on about how guilty I felt. She was like, girl, you we're run a all, business. We're all allowed to have guilty pleasures too you know that's the one your guilty pleasures will carry you my guilty pleasure is probably literally like so, so, like tiktok or something like i don't know like that's where i get stuck like i'm like oh i'm gonna go open up tiktok and like three hours later and i'm like i don't have tiktok for that reason i have instagram and it can be the same way but i just feel like with instagram like it's not all videos and that mm-hmm. like downtime second between a video kind of helps me go oh i've been doing this for a while and then i get off but TikTok, it's like all straight videos. Like you could get lost for seven or eight hours, I feel like. And it would just go by like nothing. Before we end, I always like to ask all my guests, like the last piece of advice you would like to provide to my listeners who are listening to this. Oh, absolutely. So if you guys have been listening and any of this has resonated and you've been like, I want to figure out what's going on with me, go see a psychiatrist. There's no shame in getting help and getting a diagnosis. I feel like a lot of people are so afraid to get the official diagnosis of bipolar or BPD. But like the thing is you have it either way, right? Whether you name it or not. And when you name it, you give yourself the ability to access help. 
and to Mm -hmm. start getting coping skills and strategies and start taking control of your life or taking medication, going to therapy, whatever you need to do to show up as your best self. And you can live a full, abundant, incredible, amazing life having mental illness. Your mental illness does not get to take away all of the amazingness that this world has to offer you. Mm -hmm. You just have to do a little bit more work. And that's that's okay. And that's that's where me and Justine come in. Like we are here (laughs) to guide you and help you on this journey however we can. Yeah, that's that's crazy how you said it just like that. You just have to work a little harder because I've said that too. When um, like when growing up in school, I've always like had bad grades and everything like that. And then people, um, I was diagnosed in college, and oh, you have ADHD. And so I was thinking, like, you know, what? I could achieve anything I want. I just have to work a little bit harder than people who don't have like my brain. And like in college, a lot of people like in my school will go out and party and then they'll still get through fine in school. But for me, like, I can't do that. I can't go out and party till like two in the morning and then take an exam the next day or something like that. Like, I don't have that ability. So Mm -hmm. I had to sacrifice the party life in college. I mean, like once in a while, I'll like go out and live the college life. But like, I could, again, live with people who party like almost every single night. And live yeah. that kind of life. And like, I was like, wow, I guess I was kind of in a party school. But I was like, how do people do that? How do people like have those kind of lives and do well? Draining. Yeah. And the thing is, some people do. But for a lot of people, it catches up with you. That's what happened mm-hmm. to me. I partied all through college. I thought nothing could touch me. And then I got this fun, like stage six addiction that I had to work through. And so it starts off as just like, let's party till 2am. And then before you know it, you're in your mid twenties and you're having to go through drug withdrawal. Like it is a very quick and slippery slope. And so that's my other piece of advice is like party, live, live it up, live your life to Mm -hmm. the fullest, but like also take care of your mind. And like, if you feel like you are using substances for the wrong reason and you're using them to numb out and quiet your mind, Mm -hmm. that's when you're abusing a substance. We can abuse anything, weed, Mm -hmm. alcohol, pills. It's all about if we're using them in moderation and with intention or if we're just using them to numb out and pretend everything's fine yeah I blinked out again my goodness you're so no I, I literally took everything in what you were saying and I was like I completely agree with like wait how do I respond like yes that happens to me all the sometimes time sometimes I have I, that too and I think it's like I took in so much information and then I'm like okay it's my turn to talk back and I'm like uh you're like I'm still listening like yeah I know Definitely, she does have a pretty awesome podcast. Not pretty awesome, uh, awesome podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's called um, "Wishing You Wellness," which is definitely very unique. And I'm gonna put all of those links like in the actual description for them to find you. So don't worry, I'll make sure I put all that in there. And then um, I'm also gonna be on her podcast. I don't know when yet, but um, very of course, soon. Of course, just follow follow us on Instagram. We put all the updates on there. Um, but yeah, but thank you so much for being on here. I feel like this was such a good conversation that I kind of forgot we're like recording a podcast. I was like, oh wait, we are <laughs> same. I like if it wasn't for your mic being right in front of you, I swear to God, it feels like we're just FaceTiming and talking life and having girl chat. Like these are how my conversations go anyway. So it really did feel like we were just bonding. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. And I was like, 
yeah and I the only time I realized it was like okay I see the recording like delay thing it's like saying recording I'm like okay yeah we are on a podcast right now it snaps Uh, you back to reality well thank you so much for having me on too it's been so amazing getting to share this space with you Mm -hmm. I love your energy I love your mission and so I'm really excited to get to connect with your listeners and get you connected to mine in the next month or two yeah thank you I'm super super excited to be on your podcast (gasps) thanks for listening hope you guys have a great morning evening or night wherever you are and stay tuned for next week's episode